This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land. We acknowledge the First Nations and elders of this country and we join their calls for justice. But alas, for now, we're stuck with the hosts of Chapo Shithouse. That's us! That's me! Hi, I'm from the Greens. I'm your local candidate. And the guy just stood there and then just slowly closed the door in front of me. And he was like, didn't say a word. Party line is the way I live. They don't care who wins government because it's not going to shift the furniture around. That's state capture. People want a fucking house. The Greens voted down the CPRS and you're like, yeah, like, of course they did. The carpet needs to be vanquished was his words, <laughs> vanquished. Exterminate. Freedom, freedom, freedom. I wonder if I could fuck up everything. Fuck up everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's right. Oh, God. I got a D5. Oh, wow. the classic. Bob Brown went to Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's about time we talk about why the media is so fucking bad in yeah. Australia. And especially reach for the stars. Politics is reach about reaching the stars. Winner. Yeah, that's right. Winner. Imagine being in the Greens and winning. Imagine that. Imagine fucking Greensland. <laughs> You're hearing it more and more. Yeah, and you'd love to see it. And they were basically like, I think we've won Ryan. I was just like screaming while I was driving. <laughs> My primary emotion I... <laughs> was one of happiness and relief. This is literally me like getting dumped and being like, I, I'm happy well, about it, actually. What I was feeling was mostly happiness. <laughs> like, we're insane, but at least we don't have a king or queen. The climate wars are over. What, what? No amount of renewables or electric cars will mean shit if we let this Adani coal mine go ahead. Well said. <laughs> they're attacking us. What? It's like, <laughs> dude, they're, of course. We're chatting about how wokeness is destroying the greens. <gasps> is this good? Is this good content? We need to go past Civility. Oh, fuck it. Yes. Yes. What's the age difference between you two? Ten. You? Nine or ten. Nine. Come on. <laughs> well, it's ten when you... No, it's never ten. It's sometimes eight. <laughs> I'm like, why would I want to talk to a Labour member? Yeah. Or well, just don't talk about politics with a Labour. Talk about other stuff. Why would I want to... What am I going to talk about? That is... <laughs> Labour's just angry that our community campaign is working. How I grew up was Parliament was where you went to protest, not to get a job. Here she is on Tom Ballard's podcast, Serious Danger. Yeah, I thought the ABC was hostile. <laughs> <laughs> don't they know people record podcasts in their apartments? Oh, my God. Who the fuck calls that kid Emerald Lane? <laughs> <laughs> I live in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. We had a long discussion about why I voted for the Greens and I think at the end of the night he was still, all right, I still love you no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, Danger Dogs, it's time for the 100th episode of Chippo Shithouse. Please put your hands together, go crazy. Welcome to the stage, your host, Tom Ballard, and the funny one, Emerald Moon. my god, we're here, Emerald! Can you believe it? No. <laughs> well, thanks for coming, everyone. Um, thank you very much. Welcome to this live edition of Serious Danger, a podcast about Greens politics in Australia. This is not an official Greens Party podcast. Please stop asking. Uh, this is produced, made with the help of the, with the Green Institute and produced by a wonderful producer, Michael the Griff Griffin, whose birthday it was yesterday. Give it up for the Griff! Happy birthday, Griffin! 
And this is our 100th episode in front of a live audience. In Melbourne, though. <laughs> <laughs> Errol, you this win is some, the most livable some. city in the world. <laughs> is it still in Brisbane now? Well, it is. We've got three Greens MPs, so it has to be. All uh, right. No, we will have no cheering for Greensland on this event. All right, uh, fuck off. Yeah, they're pretty good. How have you been enjoying your time in beautiful Nam Melbourne? Oh, I'm here for as little time as possible. I came in yesterday. I'm leaving after this. The sun came out today. There are some good op shops, okay. I'll admit. <laughs> um, thank you for dressing like a bigger. The people, I know, I'm like, this is purely me making use of the visual medium where I just get to dress like a large cat. That's <laughs> funny. Well, I'm wearing my Serious Danger t-shirt and I'm wearing the the the, the t-shirt of the band to the gig mainly because I knew it would annoy you. Mm, cringe. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming out, you guys. We can't believe this. We sold the show out. This is our 100th episode. We've got two amazing guests we're going to come out later on and uh, we're going to have fun together and it's going to be good. Hope so. <laughs> Can you believe we've made 100 episodes of this thing? No. Someone asked me the other day, so do you just keep making the show? Like what What happens? I was like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> don't death, ask me that. I yeah, so, fuck. Yeah. Quick timeline. We started this show in, what, November 2021. Then the Greens won the 2022 election. Yeah, and at that point it already felt like we'd been doing it for a long time. <laughs> what does that mean? It's been horrible for me. I don't know about you. <laughs> Brutal. Um, and then everything's been going fine since, right? Like the left has just been winning for the past yeah. year. So yeah, and the world generally just getting better, you know. <laughs> We've been crushing it. Oh, my God, I can't believe that you guys listened. Thank you very much for coming out and uh, being here. It really means the world. And um, this is going to be a really fun show. Should we crack on with our first story? Yeah, let's do it. So I have a question for everyone here. You know, who thinks that the Greens are an ethical party? Raise your hands. A few people. Okay, well, you're all Ooh, fucking not wrong. enthusiastic. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Lucky we're not an official what? Greens party. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong because that's us, morally corrupt, the oh, Greens. Oh, shit. They're real bad boys in the Greens party. I don't know if everyone kind of followed this story this week, uh, but a few of our MPs got booted from their respective parliaments. Oops, because they're real cool and naughty. Uh, what happened was Tuesday, set the scenes. Tuesday, it is uh, three, it's Victorian Parliament. Three young climate protesters came into Parliament. They were up in the gallery. They hung banners over the side, as you can see in this picture, you know, raising uh, awareness for the climate strike that, that happened yesterday and calling for an end to coal and gas. Crazy stuff, hey, that they would be asking to please don't fucking destroy our future. Uh, <laughs> but it was too much, apparently, yes. for Victorian Parliament because they were asked to leave. And in fact, actually, MPs were asked to leave because it was so upsetting to be in there <laughs> while security escorted these kids out. But the Greens decided to stay behind and took a selfie. Naughty. Naughty, <laughs> naughty. Uh, and so someone decided to snitch on them. Labor, does anyone know who Labor MP Belinda Wilson is? I don't know your Victorian. Are they, well, they're a little fucking snitch is what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Ripple said, okay, Speaker, this is putting our MPs at risk somehow. <laughs> I don't know. The, the selfie somehow is putting them at risk. The, the fear being that it's going to discour discourage future protests because that would be really dangerous and encourage bad, wouldn't it? Protests. Or encourage. Yeah. That's right. Meanwhile, maybe discourage if protesters don't want to be seen in a selfie with the Greens. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. Look how cool they are. 
people listening to the podcast, <laughs> yes, we should describe the, the photo that we have. This is a meme that was created after Gabrielle posted the thing. Yeah, I made these. Oh, you made these. <laughs> I spent a long time last night putting the cool guy sunglasses on our MPs and a spliff in Gabrielle Dimitri's mouth. <laughs> I now I'd like to point out everyone re- really makes fun of me for not having a real job. <laughs> How you use your time. This is what I do for work. Okay, so um, we got Gabrielle in the, the what are those? The, the cool, the cool guy sunglasses. Cool I don't guy know sunglasses. how else to describe this. Yes, no, that's exactly what they are. Yeah, she's smoking a spliff. Yeah, um, thanks to your Photoshop work. Yep, and uh, they're in the selfie with the uh, the other MPs. Who have you in not the selfie? Any Who are these other here? MPs? These other MPs: Amy McMahon and Michael Berkman. Um, yes. My good friends. Yeah, woo, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Queenslanders. Uh, they've also got the cool guy MPs, but they also just look cool in the photo anyway. Because what was happening while, so after the speaker had said to Gabrielle DeVertry, why'd you take a selfie? That was really naughty. You should apologize. Go away and think about it. Meanwhile, in Queensland, Parliament's also sitting. It's 6.30 p.m. at night. Emerald has gone home for the day. She's in Coles actually picking up some stuff to make a ratatouille. It was delicious. Uh, <laughs> we find out that Labor leader of the House, Yvette Darth, has moved a motion without notice to find both Amy McMahon and Michael Berkman, the two Greens MPs in Queensland, in contempt and to suspend one of them, Amy, from Parliament for a day. Uh, she, they moved one after the other, basically no no time for debate and surprise, surprise, the you know Labor majority, one House of Queensland Parliament, decided, yeah, they are in contempt. Let's Brilliant. Let's boot Amy for the day. Amy was seco- Amy was escorted off the precinct by security. <laughs> and the detail that I like the most, she she told us afterwards, was that he walks with her out out to the gate, and she'd ridden in that day on her bike, and so he's standing there as she's like clambering on her bike and just kind of sheepishly cycling away in the most greens MP <laughs> fucking <laughs> nonsense ever. <laughs> and the following day, Wednesday morning. The speaker, you know, it, it transpired that Gabrielle DeVitri would not be apologising for taking a selfie and she was kicked off the precinct without pay as well too for what? the day. They, they cut Apparently their Apparently suspended without pay. Holy for shit. Gab. Yeah. Like uh, don't be too sad. She's an MP. <laughs> she can afford it. But, you know, yeah, it's not ideal. It's like an NRL <laughs> player being suspended for a round. Yeah, that's right. Um, because they – and why? Because they didn't say sorry. They're naughty, naughty MPs. They've got to apologise. People's yeah. feelings were hurt. Yeah. The problem, so, okay, apparently it's not It's not actually illegal. It's not, not allowed to take a selfie, but it was about the fact that Gab could be encouraging protest. For the Queensland MPs, Amy McMahon tried to introduce three bills that would have raised revenue. One was taxing the big banks. One was taxing gas companies. Yeah. One was uh, a levy on property investors who leave homes empty. Really evil stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but the government reckons that crossbench MPs shouldn't be able to introduce revenue bills, so they said it's really naughty that you keep trying to, you know, do things like put policy proposals on the table that's your actual job. So they think it's like anti, like unconstitutional or something, Yeah. whereas Amy said that the Greens have legal advice that contradicts From that. From three separate constitutional experts right. disputing that, but, uh, you know. And this is the Queensland Constitution, which this exists is the Queensland and is a real Constitu- thing. It's a real <laughs> Believe it or not, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And in it's the not Constitution. It's just a recipe for Forex. In or the Constitution. The no, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's in there. That's in there. That's in there a few pages before government of the day must lock up children. Which is why Michael is also suspended for, for interjecting during a debate on locking up children as young as 10 that the government is proudly locking up children, which the Attorney General found very offensive, to which I might ask, Sim- could you simply stop doing it? 
uh, asked that he withdraw and he refused. So that's why he's in contempt. Well, is the issue that they're not doing it proudly and they're ashamed of themselves? Uh, well, they, they do media releases saying our tough new laws are resulting in young people being held in prison for being detained. Detained, sorry, for right. longer periods. Right. Uh, that sounds pretty proud to me. I don't know why I do media release otherwise, but. God damn it. So, and Michael wasn't actually suspended. This is, the, the, the threat was there, but it didn't actually happen. This is the good part, right? So. Also, if he gets suspended, do you get the day off because he's your boss? Oh, that's. Well, no. Amy had to fucking, you know, be such a good girl that she went around the community doing free breakfasts and barbecues and everything. So I'd probably be forced to do something similar. What Horrible. A <laughs> <laughs> what, what a fucking bitch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Amy. I care about my community. Oh, I'm on my Ooh. bike. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Low carbon emissions. Uh, <laughs> no, the good part is that the ethics committee, which is what had considered these two contempts before it came back, um, they recommended that Amy be suspended for the day if she not apologised. So that was already settled. With Michael, they recommended that he apologise and didn't recommend any penalty. But when it came back, the government's gone, oh, I don't really like that. Actually, we'd quite like to punish him. Can you reconsider? So they've referred him back, which is unprecedented, actually. <laughs> Apparently that's never happened before, but they didn't agree. So Who's on the ethics committee? Oh, you know, a bunch of Labour and LNP MPs. Okay, right. So much of them <laughs> said, don't punish this guy, and the government said, go back and have another think about what yeah, he's done. Yeah, they're like, think, try again. Let's see what you come up with next time. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, oh, do we think that this is a good strategy for Labour? That, that they're like, if more Greens start getting elected, yeah. why don't we just, just, just suspend them. them? Labour would rather make being a Greens MP illegal than go to therapy. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's going to happen more and more, right? Like, yeah, why why, why not use the powers of the parliament, particularly in Queensland where they dominate it so much? How many Green- Labour MPs are there? Like, I don't know, too many. Majority- <laughs> 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 one Labour MP is one too many. No. Yeah. But they obviously dominate the parliament so they can rig the rules yeah. that way and use their power as much as yeah, they like. Yeah, absolutely. They can, but, I mean, but keeping in mind, the LNP voted for it too. Right. Okay. They also want them out, of course. Yeah. And uh, Michael actually has another ongoing ethics committee referral, which I can't talk about too much, I guess, or I could also be held in contempt. <laughs> <laughs> but funnily enough, for uh, po- making a post, simply reporting on the fact that there was a very similar protest to the one in Victorian Parliament where climate protesters came in and hung banners saying, right. stop coal and gas. And yep. he said, I absolutely agree with the message that we should stop coal and gas. And that's apparently inciting or encouraging protest on the precinct. So Fuck me dead. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you. I would like to encourage the fact of people staging protests to try and stop the world being on fire. Do you reckon that's a good idea, everybody? <laughs> You're all getting contempted. <laughs> I'm telling the speaker. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts you'd like to share about Don Brown, the MP, Emerald? <clears throat> <laughs> She got into trouble for that too. Okay. Um, well, we're going to bring out. We'll cut that out. <laughs> All right. Our lovely. We've got next guest. Yes, We're ready. We're ready to go. Okay. So uh, our next guest is a writer and a scholar living on Wurundjeri land in Nam. That's here, everyone, in case you didn't know. <laughs> uh, they've lectured in philosophy and they taught criminology and literary theory. They're very smart. Uh, they campaign, write, and do TV and podcast appearances like this one. <laughs> On issues like renters' rights, workers' rights, and queer rights, everyone, please welcome Hero Badge. Hello. 
Hero, who also made an effort with their appearance and has a lovely matching set. Well, Tom's just wearing like the t-shirt. I mean, it is the good t-shirt. I'm the t-shirt. It's the t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. It's all about the ensemble. <laughs> That's you. right. That's right. You I've know. got my little sexy legs out. <laughs> That's a sexy little treat. For the front row. Sure. Over, aren't you over six feet? Is it really little legs? If you're little saying? legs. That's right. Mm. <laughs> They're cute little legs. Mm. Sure. Sure thing. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Hero. Thank you for having me. We thought uh, we would you know, have you along to talk about some of the good stuff that's that's happening in the world. All the good Thanks. stuff in the world right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Life's pretty good at the moment. Um, <laughs> do, do you rent? What, uh, uh, let me think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you know all about uh, how good, you know, rental affordability yeah, is at yeah. the moment. Renting rules. Am I right? <laughs> hey, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what we, now that Tom and I both, you know, are non-renters, we have to get renter <laughs> representation on the panel. To, to we be like, identify we as non-renters. Still, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we have to get someone to actually talk, you know, who, who has the perspective. Lived experience. Uh, lived experience. It's so important. It's so important. As a person of renting A experience. person of renting. That's right. That's right. So we got some new rental affordability data this mm. week and, you know, tell us, is it good, is it good news? <laughs> we need some good news. If you're uh, if you're hoping for good news uh, about renting, maybe don't look at the news. Okay, um, got it. Yeah, uh, TLDR for anyone who um, is allergic to numbers like I am. But uh, <laughs> the the news is not good, uh, and uh, rental affordability has never been worse, and is currently plummeting not just in metropolitan areas but also in regional areas, which have hitherto been uh, safe from mm. um, rent increases over the last few years post COVID or not. Post post lockdown. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's a new report that came out this week, but it's yeah. looking at sort of the actual data from earlier in the year. Is that right? It's, so this is the yeah. So it's it's a report that uh, is done by SGS Economics. Don't know who that is, mm-hmm. but Shelter and the Brotherhood of St Lawrence. They do it for every financial year. So the figures are actually from like from I guess July last year up until yep. or June. Up, I don't know how financial. Years worth. I'm not a fucking economist. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm in the greens. <laughs> uh, but it showed. Yeah, you so think money grows on trees. Right. I don't know. Make it free. <laughs> uh, but it, it showed that basically every so renters in every single Australian capital city are in a worse position now than they were before the pandemic, or they were, I suppose, yeah, July of this year. Mm. And particularly that affordability is really falling in regional areas. Um, and it does this, it, it uses the rental affordability inter- index, which is that benchmark of rental stress where you're paying more than 30% of your income if you're in the lowest 40, 40th percentile of household income, so for low-income households effectively. Uh, and it then produces this score between 50 and 150. A lower score is less affordable. A score of 100 is where you hit that point of rental stress, so you're paying 30% of your income if you're a low-income household. Maybe we can get a little graph that kind of illustrates what we're looking at here. Um, so he can see things bad because that's over there, that's 2023, and everywhere except, I believe, uh, Hobart and the ACT, where they have rent controls, <laughs> things are getting much, much worse. Um Sydney saw a 13% decline in affordability. Melbourne and Perth, a 10% decline. Regional areas getting much worse. And this particular graph, this is for a single person on JobSeeker. So it kind of goes by household type. And it it found that a single person on JobSeeker would have to spend more than their entire income, so 106% of their income, 
to rent a median one bedroom home. It was 89% last year. So that's gotten, that's, that's much worse. And if you're wondering what the spike is, obviously in 2020, that's not, you know, landlords being nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's obviously because this is job seeker. That is when we doubled job seeker <laughs> and, you know, gave people a livable fucking income. And imagine, they, imagine, <laughs> crazy, right? Uh, so, I love that idea of 2020. It's a crazy world and landlords are just going to be generous. I don't yeah. know what I was thinking, man. Well, Albanese was being very generous. We might remember his his tenant getting on TikTok to tell us all about oh, it. Oh, that, that was so good. That was a good time. Good time. So good. Reminiscing. <laughs> uh, so do we, I mean, yes, as Tom pointed out, this is from 20, this is from the financial year ending July 2023. So do you think, though, that in the next, the following five months, it's now November, things have become worse or are, conditionings, are conditions easing slightly maybe? Um, I think uh, I'll give you two answers. Um, I think there is a conventional wisdom that things are going to be easing up mm-hmm. um, and that as we go on, um, you know, uh, rents will magically start improving yay um uh, so good guys we can finish the stuff there right (laughs) (laughs) um unfortunately i think that is um just absolute fantasy and um i think we're um months if not years from the 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 peak of the housing crisis like i I don't think we've reached the peak yet i think we're still far off and that things are going to get unfortunately a lot worse Right. And I believe we can get there, guys, together. <laughs> we can do it. We work really hard. We can do it. And that's and if all. If landlords like me put in the hours. <laughs> I got to stop mentioning that. Sorry. Because planning regulations are too tight, right? <laughs> that's why. So, but we've got governments working on it. And since governments are cutting all this red tape and they're going to let developers build, you know, 90 story towers on, on a floodplain, luxury towers, uh, then it's going to solve the housing crisis, right? So things will get better. <laughs> y- yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. Um yeah, uh um just absolute rubbish. Uh I mean th- a-, a lot of the things that governments are doing at the moment um will not result in any significant um improvement in the housing situation because they're fundamentally not interested in fixing the housing situation Mm. you know um housing in this country is treated as a way to generate uh passive income for a property class of people and that is what the system is designed and and geared to do um no shade um uh you know and so like at the federal level you, you have things like um capital gains concessions and um negative gearing uh, which are more or less off the policy table um, because Labor isn't interested in touching it. Um, and so, you know, it's a situation where we know what the problem is and we know how to fix it, I remove those things, mm-hmm. um, but there's just no political will to actually do that, hence why things are actually not going to be getting better. And when it comes to talking about um, just, you know, all the kind of re- regulation, um, so in Victoria, for example, the... Um, uh, housing planning system approves up to 40,000 new residences every year. Um, the issue is that most of them take forever to get built. Um, so uh, less than like a quarter of that had been built by halfway through this year. So mm-hmm. like, you know, of all the 40,000 that had been approved up into the year so far, like less than a quarter had actually been built. Um, and there's lots of really complicated reasons for that that mostly just revolve around um capitalism um <laughs> uh it's it's really uh 
councils uh, are the level of government that approve plans and pretty much all councils um, approve pretty much all plans that come before them. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that they're kind of knocking things back willy-nilly and they're causing the housing crisis is just absolute. The naughty greens in yeah. council in particular, <laughs> I um, hear. Yeah, it, it makes for a great talking point, but there's actually just no evidence to say that that's actually happening. Um, but what is happening is that developers um, are, for example, land banking, where they will put in an application and say, we're going to build you know, a thousand new homes and then they'll get it approved and then they won't build them mm-hmm. um, because developers are, um, you know, they're there to make money. What? If- <laughs> Shock. <laughs> housing um, providers. I think they prefer the term housing providers. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, um, actually, uh, in developer Victoria, is a slur. <laughs> in Victoria, um, they've removed the word landlord from all legislation, and now it's housing provider. So, uh, fucking what? Right? Are you fucking Madness? serious? Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Like in the Residential Tenancy Act, it's the housing provider. So real estate agents. I was they're... joking, but that's actually real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Wow. Um, the People's Socialist Republic in Victoria. <laughs> Holy uh, shit. Yeah, no, because, um, you know, my real estate agent was like, oh, the housing provider. And I'm like, yes, you can tell the landlord. <laughs> um, what was I saying? I'm sorry, land banking. So they oh, say yes, they're taking a bit of all this stuff and then they just wait for the value of the land to go yeah, up and they can so make more money th- without doing there, jack shit. There have been developments in Victoria that have taken 40 years to complete. <laughs> oh so this mm. idea that by removing red tape and just letting developers have whatever they want, that they're going to suddenly you know build enough houses for everyone just Mm. isn't going to happen um you know developers are never going to provide enough houses for anybody uh, for everybody because then they're not going to make profits yes exactly that's right they're incentivized to under develop to under deliver housing because that's how they make money yeah and you can i mean you can get a sense right of what solutions are going to benefit developers and the property industry versus people who are actually looking for housing by what developers in the property industry will campaign against. And they <laughs> they sure don't campaign for, you know, cutting red tape or against cutting red tape, but they will campaign uh, viciously against, you know, cutting back on capital gains tax concessions or ending negative gearing or rent controls or anything like that because they want to be able to make money because they will charge whatever they can uh, because it's their job to make money. That's what they're there for. Whereas, you know, public housing, in theory, is there to provide housing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, um, I think that was something that came up a lot in the recent um, Victorian rental inquiries, um, which I'm sure no one saw because they were really um, long and really uh, boring. Um, But uh, uh, look, I say they were boring, but um, it was um, kind of a banality of evil situation. You just had a bunch of landlords and developers getting up saying, housing providers, Someone beep that out. (laughs) Housing providers, quote unquote, um, uh, getting up in on camera. um, uh, Just landlord is a slur. (laughs) Hashtag not all landlords. Um, Yeah, just saying the quiet parts out loud about essentially like all 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 of this and what um, all of the kind of um, housing NGO people and we can shit on them later. um, We're basically (laughs) saying uh, we're we're basically you know like this is this is market failure. You know, like the government has outsourced one of its primary responsibilities to Mm. provide housing for its people to the market. These these developers who are completely uninterested in doing that. Mm. And they're playing this like finger pointing game where they're like, it's the developers, it's the, it's the, it's the government. It's, it's, it's the government. It's the government's job to provide yeah. housing. 
there's been a, like a decades long retreat from public housing, which is there to, as you say, simply make sure that everyone has a roof over their head. And instead, we've gone down this path of making Gen X more money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we can talk about, I mean, yes, I was reading an ABC article about the the new report, the Rental Affordability Index data that came out this week, and they have the usual suspects, kind of the NGOs. But the, the commentary, I will say, was not as bad as it sometimes has been from the NGOs in this. Um, I thought it was interesting. National Shelter, who who does, who contributes to the report was saying that, yeah, low vacancy rates mean property owners can ask for a bit more. I mean, not saying that, yes, greedy fucking landlords will ask for whatever they can. That's kind of the the underlying subtext. But saying CGT concessions, negative gearing, et cetera, need scrutiny. Quote, it is getting to the point where if you have a property, it is easier to continue to get properties, you know, get up to your third, fourth and fifth property. But there are households who can't even get a property. I don't know if this is just because I'm a Greens hack, but if anyone's ever heard the Greens talk about housing or read the Greens website on housing, it sounds a bit fucking familiar. That's literally what we put on flyers or have been putting on flyers for the last like five years is that it's easier to buy your sixth property than it is to buy your first. But I think it's like, I mean, steal our words all you you like because it really shows that the discourse is actually shifting Mm. and we're having to finally acknowledge that, yes, we have an unfair taxation system that incentivizes fucking price gouging or, you know, incentivizes the commodification of housing rather than housing as a right, as something that everyone deserves. But then, like, I mean, yes, that's a great thing for the Greens to campaign on. But I remember Albanese during the election campaign literally said negative gearing is good. So it wasn't just, oh, we went to an election with a, a policy to reform negative gearing and it didn't work. He's just like, no, it's actually good now. We think it's actually good and we're not going to touch it at all. We Why don't do ask they think questions. it's good? Because it incentivizes more investors to get into the market they, no, and well, provide housing. Yeah, is that exactly. why? And they think yeah. it's the good and they want to say it's good because they don't want to be attacked for it uh, and fight for something that will actually make a difference in people's lives and actually do something to address the fucking housing crisis. Yeah, well, okay, This the, the report that we're talking about actually addresses this point. There, this report was quite good. I, I don't know if you saw this part, Hero, but it says... Uh, It's kind of a long quote, but I'm going to read it all. It's talking about the rising numbers of people who are renting together with the lower proportion of people who are renting being in the public housing market as opposed to the private housing market and where that comes from. There's a range of factors. The introduction of the capital gains discount in 1999 combined with negative gearing has, quote, dramatically increased the number of investors who compete with homeowners for available property. Right and kept more households out of home ownership, trapping them in the rental market. Higher income households then seek more affordable rents to increase their their ability to save a deposit to move into ownership, which further displaces lower income households from lower cost rentals and increases their level of housing stress. (laughs) The system works. Yeah. So working as intended then, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly that. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I often um, shout into the void that is um, Twitter um, X, Um, uh, you know, uh, your rent is going up because of investors, because of this kind of um, speculative game they're playing. You know, there's 10 investors showing up at every property, each with, you know, a bank full of a couple million dollars, um, each just trying to outbid each other. And then they overpay, grossly overpay mm-hmm. um, what the actual value of a property is worth. And then to recoup that loss, mm. they rise rents. And then what happens, so the way that rent rises work in Victoria is absolutely cooked. Um, so when a landlord wants to raise 
uh, rents in Victoria, they need to provide you a little document that has a couple of example rents in the area that says, oh, look, other people are charging this. So what they've effectively done is that anytime one landlord raises, a re- raises the rent, every other landlord in the area can just put that into a document and say, well, they're charging this so we can put it up. The market, it, baby. Exactly. So it doesn't, you know, if all the other landlords jumped up a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and, and it's exactly like that. And there's no rules about like what kind of properties. So, um, you know, recently um, my partner and I just, just moved from our home of five years because our landlord tried to raise our rent by $550 a month. Um, <laughs> and in our notice of rent increase, um, they listed about seven or eight luxury properties with things like rooftop cinemas and we were like we don't have that yeah (laughs) um so they just reissued a different document with a set of different apartments all at the same price um but that's what's happening is is that there's essentially no there's nothing in this system to stop the inflation of rent Mm, like say a rent cap yeah, exactly. which would, you know, make the whole system fall apart, Is there a political party that has that as a policy? Uh, yeah, it's called the Greens. Everyone oh. clap. Everyone clap. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's that fucking Jeb Bush. Please clap. <laughs> Please clap. Please clap. <laughs> Should we, have you got maybe one more question for you? And then we'll one more on? question, yeah. yeah. I did just want to ask about one of the things that the NGOs say in, in this article is talking about, you know, maybe reforming those tax systems, building more social and affordable housing. That's great. Maybe a limit on rental increases, but also a national increase to Commonwealth rental assistance. Thoughts? Um, am, I, am I allowed to swear? Um, okay, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, as long as you don't say landlord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no swears um, like landlord or developer. <laughs> landlord. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I fucking hate rent assistance for a couple of reasons. And that might sound spicy to, to some people. So I'll explain why that is. Um, so firstly, the way rent assistance is you, you uh, works, sorry, um, is also kind of cooked um, in that uh, it's like a supplement on top of an essentially unlivable payment that the government can then utilise to say, oh, but like, you know, it doesn't matter if, if um, uh, welfare is unlivable because, you know, they're getting rent assistance on mm. top, even though the rent assistance that people are getting is is absolutely tiny, like it's kind of embarrassing, you know. Um, uh, we're talking like a couple dozen dollars. Like it's it's not paying for anyone's rent by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, the the other thing is is that if you think about it, this is just another market based solution. You know, I, I think that um, Labor are essentially technocrats. Um, they they have this belief that so long as they're in charge of the system, the system is good, and they have no interest in changing it. Um, and so, what rent assistance is is effectively just privatization of public money is just the government giving money essentially directly to landlords mm. and the landlords are just constantly increasing the amount of money that because there's no for. rent caps yeah. yes. yes and so the government is that that proposal is essentially just for the government to fill landlords pockets with more money to subsidize rent increases yeah exactly that, that is that is exactly what that is mm. um and it's the same thing with the national rental affordability scheme so nras which was mm. it's kind of a um a zombie policy now but it, uh that was where um the government said um in a, in a more direct more literal way we will pay landlords to offer their properties at below market rent so if a landlord was to put the asking rent at like 20 or 30 i think it was 30 percent below mm. market price the government would pay the difference so again just paying for rent increases um rather than just limiting rent increases <laughs> yeah and it's rough right because it's like obviously 
I think that, you know, people on on job seeker like welfare recipients should get more money. More people getting rental assistance is good right now. I would like you to have more money. <laughs> I would like all of us to have more money. Um, but as an isolated solution in the absence of, of rental caps or even as a primary kind of political aim, it is so far from what we need to be shooting for, you know, as, as Adam says, shoot for the stars, reach for the stars, <laughs> yeah. reach, for the stars. reach for the stars. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, the reality is, is that, you know, um, you, you can remove all the red tape in the world and developers aren't going to build the houses and you can increase rent assistance all you want and landlords are just going to keep raising the rents. Mm. You know, th- these solutions are things that governments like to talk about because um, it, it doesn't require much work and it doesn't really fix the problem. doesn't create an enemy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Know? So they can say, oh, look, we've acted on this, we've done this, vote for us at the next election mm. and then, you know, kick the can down the road. But there's nothing here that actually fixes the problem. That's right. Well, on that note, uh, no, <laughs> it's great to have you with us and lay out that problem. Thank you very much for me. Give it up for Hero Badge, everybody. We love Hero Badge. Thank you. I'm assuming our next guest is here. I'm assuming that he made it from the airport. I haven't seen him, but we're delighted to have him as well. He is my friend and yours, comedy superstar. Give it up for Nazim Hussain, everybody! Hello. Hello, hello. Yes! I vote for the Greens. <laughs> yeah! Oh, you admitted it. It's the only room you'll get a cheer in. I mean, previously a a big liberal voter and, um, (laughs) uh, you know, shut the door behind me. Um, My my, my parents, when they came here, you know, (laughs) how am I going to corner the brown market in comedy (laughs) if more of us just keep coming? So... Oh, um, man, if you I'm, came out as a Liberal voter, you would be able to do corporate gigs for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, do Greens, do Greens uh, voters, do they run corporate? No, you, know, you guys don't run shit, do you? No. Like, this, is, no, this, no. this is as good as it gets. Yeah, right. this is about it. And this you didn't, is there it. was no fee in the text message. So, anyway, <laughs> glad to be here. I'm sorry, we're not very this professional. Is, this is like my charitable side. <laughs> No, this is a fucking landlord this too, by the way. Right yeah. <laughs> oh, I, Sorry, I, housing I, wait, provider. Wait, wait. Do, you, do, you, do you, I rent where I live. I pay more rent than I receive from my Noble Park North property. <laughs> and then you negatively gear it? I negatively gear it. <laughs> <laughs> Negative, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, sorry, just for context, is there anyone on the stage that isn't a landlord? I'm not a landlord. Okay, okay, great. You're great, losing. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, literally, you're losing out at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I am. I am. Um, everyone under your seats, you'll find rotten tomatoes. <laughs> 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 No, no, no. Yeah. Well, we were very excited about having you on the show, Anaz. I was yeah. excited. Then I read the Daily Mail and um, <laughs> I saw this headline Comedian Nazima saying launches extraordinary attack on Anthony Albanese. Now, the last time the we did a lot. Prime Minister. Yeah. Over, yeah uh, did I? An extraordinary attack. Extraordinary it sounds like a, attack. like a terrorist attack. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Well, you know. Yeah. Uh, last well, time I don't did... know if that would be extraordinary for a Muslim at the moment <laughs> if you read the Daily Mail. So true. So He's true. Allowed. Come on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting What are you going to cancel Nazim Hussain? <laughs> Let's get that hashtag trending, yes, everyone. Yes. <laughs> well, I was almost cancelled. Last time we did a live episode of Serious Danger, I uh, called Anthony Albanese a dumb cunt and it made friendly Geordies very angry. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's, the, not an ex- that's nothing extraordinary for you, though. You'd call everyone, you, know, like you call me a dumb cunt all the time. That's true. It's like a term <laughs> of endearment. Yeah. 
Uh, Australian comedian Nazima Sain has launched out, uh, lashed out rather at Anthony Albanese for siding with Israel during a fiery speech at a protest rally, pointing out the PM supported Palestine earlier in his parliamentary campaign. Uh, people might have seen this story during the rounds. It was a fantastic speech. Can, if people missed it, can you tell tell us what you're doing now? Yeah, do no, it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Get out of um, the cafe and, and go for it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was an extraordinary. Well, look, what was, it's, it's disappointing because I, you know, it's Albanese, Labor. I was like, Labor left. You know, this guy's got a history of, you know, he started, <laughs> no, but he formed, the, he was one of the founding members of the Parliamentary Friends of Palestine Committee, right. you know, which was, which was, you know, exciting to see someone become the Prime Minister and you're like, all right, this is it. Mask off. He's about to freaking, you know, I don't know, not take Hamas off the list, but you know, like so yeah. gonna, there was gonna be there was gonna be some real change on Australia's position towards the whole thing. But you know, then then suddenly uh, October seven happens, and then just immediately adopts the line, yeah. and that is just you know, in the, a week after he just campaigned for the voice, you know, aimed in his words at elevating Indigenous First Nations people, and here he's just throwing First Nations people in Palestine under the bus, mm. like using you know, and and and, and, and then he starts competing with Dutton to try to you know screw over First Nations. It was yeah, so I think that that was one of the yeah. I did start with that because personally I felt a disappointment, but um, you know, I just thought it was a good emotional hook to get into the rest of my speech. <laughs> And it's what you believe. I'll see the Daily it? Mail headline, you know? Like, oh, it's cool. I'll lash <laughs> out. We're big fans of the Daily Mail here at Serious Stage. Yeah? Oh, think, yeah. If you get a good there, that's probably a good sign. Yeah. 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 I mean, and people might not know, before you were in comedy, you were you're really actively involved, and you still are, with the Muslim community in Melbourne and Victoria. You're a member of the um, Islamic Council of Victoria, right? Oh, I, I, was, I was a member of the Islamic Council of Victoria, which is the peak representative body uh, for Muslims in Victoria, of which there are about 100,000 growing uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so get on board. <laughs> <laughs> But um yeah, I was I was actually like the Walid Walid Ali was the was the media spokesperson. Right. And I was on the council when he was on. Um and then he quit. And then so I actually was for, for a while the, the media spokesperson. I had no idea what I was doing. And then um <laughs> Legally Brown, it's the SBS show that I did, um, started to go to air in 2013. And I thought, well, I can't really be representing the community and then also having to back my comedy where I, you know, I make right. jokes about white people and fashion and dancing, all that stuff. You know, so I was like, I had to basically quit, but it was like, uh, it was a weird, it was, it was, it was, it was after nine 11, you know, it, it still felt like very post nine 11 vibes. Yeah. So, um, Palestine was something that was just like, you know, grow up talking about it and, um, you know, being from a Muslim or slash non-white kind of family talking about global politics is just part and parcel of like, you know, it's family gatherings. Deal. Yeah. So I guess I'm just wondering like, yeah, what's your read or what's your feeling amongst the Muslim community over the past couple of months with the horrors that are going down? Pro-Israel. Everyone's becoming pro-Israel. <laughs> yeah, 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 nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. The tide is turning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like it's, you know, um, every time, like, you, you know, Tom, you've been part of a lot of Palestine stuff, you know, for a while. And I think every time people come to these protests, you start to feel this sense of, I think, I think people are starting to get it now. I mm. think mm. this is a real sense that like, oh, you know, these, the lies can't, you know, the propaganda is not really working in the yeah. same way. But this time it really feels like that, especially with social media kind of being used in a way that it hasn't been used before, like just in real time, seeing the the crimes that are being committed. Mm. Um, it's kind of like, there's no way to, to sort of deny, like, you know, it's, it's honestly horrible. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I um I I was at the airport. I'm been wearing my little Palestine flag badge, which Amy McMahon made me shout out. And I was at the airport in line going through security, and this guy came up next to me and was like, "Oh, what flag is that?" And I said, "Palestine." And he said, "Oh, lovely." <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It is lovely. It is lovely. Yeah. That's yeah. not where I was expecting that story to go. <laughs> I know. I was like, thank you, sir. Run the river through the sea. <laughs> Palestine will be lovely. lovely. That's right. The original. Oh <laughs> That's beautiful. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, totally. totally. That's a, uh, a line, also, though. This yeah. is for the Daily Mail article as well. Uh, Hussein also slammed opposition leader Peter Dutton for suggesting that anyone taking part in free Palestine rallies who is living in Australia on a visa should be deported. Hussein offered an alternative idea. Peter Dutton telling us to go back where he came from. Why don't you go back to where you came from? Go back to your dad's balls, you fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my, <laughs> minor correction. It was actually it was dickhead. It was dickhead. But, um, I, know, I, gave a but, you know, I, I am so glad. I was asked quoted for like it's that's my favourite quote ever. I want to put that put that on a poster. But. <laughs> Merch win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, here are you being going to the rallies as well. You've been involved in in the pro Palestine movement. What's what's your read on how this is going? How the movement is building? Whether it can be sustained? What's what's your read on how it's going down in Victoria anyway? Uh, yeah. Uh, so totally contrary to the renter stuff, I actually think that this. It feels different to how it's felt in the past. Like I remember even um, like five years ago in 2018 talking about Israel being an apartheid state and feeling like the um, kind of um, weird conspiracy theory friend <laughs> and everyone's kind of looking at you like, mm, I don't know about that. Um, but now it's like you can say that and not be treated like a um, complete leper um, because it's true. Mm. Um <laughs> And, yeah, the, the rallies have just been so phenomenal. Like it's obviously such um, a grim time and I'm sure that um, like many of the um, people in the in, in the room, like I've seen things that have changed me mm. as a person um, uh, and it's just been so uh, lovely, to use a, a word that was used uh, <laughs> earlier, um, to, to, uh, to see um, these kind of things grow organically. Like I, I just, I can't remember the last time that we had tens of thousands of people turning out week after week. Mm -hmm. And today there was a protest at Peter Khalil's office. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of people turned up mm -hmm. to protest at a single MP's office. I don't think I can ever remember that happening for any other issue. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of like the, the difference between the streets and the media and like <laughs> what kind of like what we're being told by the elites, you know, mm -hmm. like I know we, at the start I felt like a cooker, but you know, <laughs> But it's so stark, the difference. Like it's abs And I think people are just starting to, you know, despite the way the media is reporting overwhelmingly, um, like people are still turning out. It's almost like galvanizing people. And, 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 and what is really, I think, good to see is the almost like how, how much people can say that Jewish people are also on board. Like this is not a religious thing. It's not a, it's not a racial thing. Mm. Um, it's, it's not even really a political, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a humanity thing. It's a, it's a justice thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, people have been scared for a long time of being called anti-Semitic if you mm. support Palestine. You know, if you are anti-Zionist, like I think Israel has really tried to, to make being anti-Zionist mean you are anti-Semitic, mm. which can't be leveled at people who are Jewish when they're coming out in their thousands yeah. globally. You know, and that's not sticking anymore. It's like Saudi Arabia trying to own the identity of being Muslim globally. Like that doesn't work. Yeah. After a while, you start, you know, you start to see Saudi Arabia for what it is, like a regime, like a racist regime. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's going on with Israel at the moment. They're having a tough time keeping <laughs> up with the people. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been really wild um, seeing these kind of Zionist claims about anti-Semitism like on the timeline in, in, in the world at the same time as watching literally hundreds of Jewish people get arrested at demonstrations all around the world every day. Mm. Um, 
Something is, is, is not clicking there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are anti-Semitic Jews, though. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Those are the anti-Semitic ones, yeah. Well, and you put it out in your speech, too. You sort of shout it out to the Jewish people there at the rally. and yeah. the No, people- shout it out them. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> That's a pro shot. No, no, no. <laughs> Do you want to be cancelled? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly feel like I want to. Just, I just need to get you over the other side of it, you know? You sell more tickets, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you, you shouted out to the Jewish people who were there and you sort of, you know, pointed to the high personal cost that that can come with, right? You know, yeah. overwhelmingly, the Jewish community in Australia is, is, is quite conservative, is, is certainly pro-Israel. And so those who do speak out can often be ostracised and face a pretty intense... Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like, if you speak out against uh, Israel or if you are pro-Palestinian, even if, you're, even if you're merely pro-Palestinian, we've received and you know anti-semitism always spikes in these sorts of you know when there's something going on israel palestine jewish people cop a lot of anti-semitism it's horrible um that's that is not unacceptable um and we've seen when when people are speaking out in support of palestine you know islamophobia rises as well but also people have been like losing jobs people have been uh threatened you know you know to get to have this you know to, to lose their jobs my sister's had so many people come up she's a lawyer at morris blackman you know asking you know what do i do i have no idea people have been Telling me that I can't be saying things, uh, you know, I've been called into meetings and um, just blatant, like, nah, sorry, you can't come to work tomorrow. You know, and I can choose if you work or not because your contract, like, it's. Um, but I think, I think again, now people are starting to like kind of not give a shit about that and like, you know, if I'm silent now, well, then at what point do I? What's it going to take? Yeah, what's it going to take? Yeah. Well, I mean, this week in Melbourne, we sort of had an example of how of, of perhaps all the elements of this this debate and how messy it can get. Um, in Caulfield, you got Burgatory. That's a burger business owned by Hashtaya, a Palestinian businessman who's been outspoken in his support for Palestine. He's been filmed at rallies. Um, he was filmed on, on camera saying the from Palestine. Uh, from he the actually leads the, the project. He's, he's, he's right at the front, the yeah. Right and good there. burgers, really good burgers. They genuinely are. <laughs> good plug. Or halal as well. <laughs> how do you feel about avocados, Naz? Um, I think I'm out of contracts. I don't give a shit about <laughs> avocados. Yeah, he did add the avocado. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm a greens. No, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> nice, good save. Um, outspoken guy. He's lost family members in in the conflict in Gaza as well, um, and was receiving multiple threats and calls of boycotts for his business for a very long time. On Friday last week, the store was firebombed. I'm sure people have seen the footage of it kicking around. He then took his family into hiding in a safe house. Police say there's still no evidence the attack was racially or politically motivated. Uh, I'm targeting the burgers. No, <laughs> no but the night, like, this, burger business. Yeah, uh, this is all off the record. From what I know, he was receiving threatening phone calls literally the night before and the night before that saying that, you know, making actual direct threats. Right. So, you know, maybe it was just an accident, you know, and someone just mm. – you saw the video of them actually going it was in there. A, it was a like, pocket dial and that they were away. making <laughs> threats to someone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. just yeah. another burger business. <laughs> uh, the night of the firebombing, you had pro-Palestinian uh, people who were gathering at a park in solidarity with Taya after the bombing. Uh, he posted that he didn't want the rally to happen. Um, the people were gathered uh, in a place. The rally ended up taking place in a park which was near a synagogue. Uh, where people were meeting for Friday night prayers. Lots of people were distressed. The synagogue was evacuated. There were quite a lot of ugly clashes. There were pro-Israeli um, supporters that came down there too with lots of clashes. So it got very messy, and the organisers of Free Palestine Melbourne later apologised for the location of the rally. Not They weren't aware necessarily that the um, the rally was going to take place near a synagogue. I, I think you know some people who were involved. Yeah, it was a, it's a perfect storm, you yeah. know, as in, in, a, in, a, in that it's a bad – storm is bad, and it was a – 
perfect bad thing to have happened. <laughs> I'm not pro storms. <laughs> I condemn storms. Thank you. <laughs> I think originally, like people were people were gonna people wanted to congregate out. The, yeah, they wanted to protest at the front of the shop because there's also that video going around of um, you know, like a I think it was a teenager or maybe early twenties. You know, this kid was not well. Uh, talking about like how Gazans deserve it and this and that. Yes. Anyway, it was not good, but that went around and uh, that also pissed people off a lot. People were pretty upset, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went to protest and, and Hash said, no, don't protest outside my, my shop. So they went to a park and obviously very Jewish area. People come from across Melbourne. Yeah, Jewish people were pretty riled up. Um, you know, pro-Palestinian people were riled up. So it's anti-Semitism just ready to ignite, you know, um, Islam. Like it was just the per- – it is exactly what um, – you know, Zionists or people who are wanting to taint the movement were looking for. Just, right. you know, coming to call, coming to a Jewish area to intimidate. And sure, I'm sure people were um, intimidated and intimidating. So it's just, it's not a good thing to happen. And and, and, and as everybody has been saying, I am the prize. It's got nothing to do with um, like a local intra, like social cohesion is very important. And yep. Muslims and Jewish people and Christians and people of faith and no faith have all been part of this movement. And you know, anti-Semitism has no place in any social justice movement. So it's 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 a hor- it's horrible when these things sort of happen. But when large when movements are so large, mm. these things happen on both sides. So it's horrible. Because yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, and the, the cynical thing is pointing to these instances yeah. and using them to deal. Oh, and then weaponizing it like say, yeah. in Parliament. You know, Peter Dutton then just takes that and runs with it. Right. You know, suddenly he cares about racism. Yes. You know, I mean, on the other, like, suddenly he cares about not being on the side of racism, which yes. is new. Yes. Because. <laughs> He's also very concerned about violence while still backing Israel's war crimes <laughs> to the fucking hill. Exactly. Like, how the fuck you know? can you back a state that has killed more than 4,000 children and then well, get he was, on your he fucking He was a Queensland circle. cop. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's in his DNA. Shout out to any Queensland cops out listening. <laughs> That's you. That's who you are. I'm a landlord. Yeah, I'm and Ruth, do you condemn Queensland cops? <laughs> I condemn Condemn your cops. state. I can do- <laughs> the Queensland cops have a series of tunnels underneath this venue. <laughs> That's right. Um, we're fast running out of, of time, but there are a few other points on this that I think we need to hit. I mean, another massive, massive story that was actually some good news, a, a, a shining ray of light, was the UN Special Rapporteur on the Occupied Palestinian Territories, Francesca Albanese, oh the God. only good Albanese. <laughs> That's the only speech. good Albanese. She probably comes from a massive family. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, fine. She's, they're all shit. She's been, of the two Albanese I have in my life. Her dad's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you really said fuck their dog. <laughs> <laughs> they should all go back to their father's balls. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I, I know you enjoyed that particularly, Emerald. Like, what what do you think of her on display and like decimating the insane talking points that were thrown at her by the press gallery journalist? Was like, what appealed to you the most? I it was incredible. I also want to know what she thought about, like, if she expected everyone to fawn all over her that much. Like, do you think everywhere she goes, <laughs> she has this kind of response, or was it just that, like, just ask because she fucking owned them, and yeah. for the whole week, she's Australia's hero. As far as I'm concerned, particularly, I mean, like, you know, when there was this insanely bad faith move from Daniel Hurst from the fucking garden. Guardian is the foreign the affairs garden. Ed- the fucking garden. Look at this cherry. What time's your flight back? 
Uh, she mentioned that she used the word domination at the end of her speech, and Daniel Hurst gets up there and said, "Oh, I just noticed she used the word that domination there. Is that really helpful in the current context? Because that could actually really be a trope of context. like anti-Semitism." And she's like, "No, I'm talking about the apartheid convention, <laughs> which talks about the racial domination of other people." And she didn't say this, but she meant you fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said it with her hands. <laughs> with those little hands. There, there was this moment. I forget if it was um, her response to that journalist or one of the other ones, but she kind of made this motion towards her head at one point, <laughs> and she didn't say it. But she was like, this is what you've thought in your tiny little brain. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is not right. This yeah. actually means, are you hungry in like Sri Lankan as well? Like, are you hungry? Have you eaten? <laughs> are you hungry for some knowledge? <laughs> so that was great again to burst through. And overwhelmingly, opinion is starting to turn in favor of Palestine and the cracks are starting to show. I think, was, as we've mentioned, this, this disconnect between what the media and political classes will tell you and where people are at. We talked about the YouGov poll last week on the show 53% of Australians support a ceasefire. That poll got no coverage, as far as I could tell. Guardian Essential poll this week. What should Australia do in the current conflict in Israel and Palestine? 21% said provide active support to Palestine. That's up eight points since October. 17% provide active support for Israel. That's down six. 61% called for Australia to stay out of the conflict entirely. Now, well, that's interesting. What does that actually mean? What does that mean? Our Pine Gap base, the US base in the Northern Territory, is providing military aid and information to the IDF. We, we we send arms and weapons mm. to, to Israel. Does it mean withdrawing that entirely and not getting involved in any It's a way? pretty scary question to ask Australians. Like, do you think we should get involved or stay out of it? Like, right. Yeah, who are we going to say? If it yeah. had said, yeah, do you think we should withdraw involvement? I wonder what the answer would have been. Right. Yeah. And just being, in, does it calling for a ceasefire using diplomatic international pressure mm. to try and stop them killing children? I think that's probably something that would be. I mean, yeah. as far as I can mm. tell, Essential has not polled on the question of ceasefire, which is pretty insane. Okay. Just 35% of Australians described Israel's response as proportionate. That's down seven points. Just 31% say they're satisfied with the federal government's response to the Israel Palestine conflict. We had two Labor backbenchers uh, and the coalition MP Mark Coulton joined the Greens at a press conference receiving petitions uh, signed by more than 120,000 Australians calling for an immediate ceasefire. Even Albo's own branch passed a motion in Grainler calling on him, uh, the Labor branch, to call him uh, to call for an immediate ceasefire and to recognise that Israel's response has moved from that of defending itself to acts of retribution on an innocent Palestinian population. Do we think he's going to give a shit about that? I think personally he does, but I reckon he's, you know, he's just, he's just sold out, hasn't he? This from that same story. This is very interesting. I think you'll mention this. A one Labour MP raised criticisms about how the Greens were responding to the conflict, claiming the party was vote harvesting and asked Albanese how to push back against such tactics. Don't you think that there's, I mean, all of the people who have the take that ScoMo missed a moment, like missed a social movement, and that's why he lost the election because he didn't understand that people cared about climate change, I think people would say. Right. Are those same people not looking at tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people marching in the streets for a ceasefire for Palestine, looking at that and going, maybe Albanese's missing a moment? No. I feel like, you know, like at the moment, ceasefire still equals victory to Hamas. Like, so as soon as I think the tide turns up, people start to think, okay, no, no, ceasefire doesn't mean you support Hamas. I think that's when, you know, like if you had had a backbone, they'd they'd stand up and sell it, that that's not what it means. But if they, if they, if they took a position earlier, 
then they're going to have to defend being a terrorist sympathizer all the way to the election. Like it just becomes like that big wedge. That I feel like that's the only way I can rationalize in my brain. Like yeah. how else does it make sense? Well, my more cynical take is that, that Labor can take the heat for a while because when has a federal election been determined by a, a foreign policy issue? Mm. I mean, Labor can say, yes, these people are going to hate us. Where else are they going to go? Maybe to the Greens. That's a fight they're already, already trying to take. But between now and the next federal election, you know, they, they probably view it as a moment and a level of anger out there that will pass. Also, I think that there's been a really cynical calculation here about the normative license of um, anti-Semitism versus Islamophobia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Labor as an entity has decided that um, any like leeway given to Palestine and any anything but total support for Israel's genocide is going to um lead to domestic claims of anti-Semitism similar to what, you know, British UK Labour mm. kind yeah. of went through and that will stick with them. Right. Whereas like, you know, we've lived through 20 years of nonstop Islamophobia. Right. It's the, 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 the air that Australians breathe. Mm. Um, so, you know, they can, they're, pro- they're probably just calculated that they can wear that mm. um, rather than it's the alternative. Well, the Greens have gotten all the Muslims now. Like basically, <laughs> seriously, you just check out the Greens, freaking any comments, it'll just be hijabs and beers. Just, <laughs> yeah. well done, brother, well done. You know, like come join us for a kebab. Like, we're, we are all in. We're all in. <laughs> You'll see us at your pride marches. I will be there. That's the strategy. Well, you're very fucking welcome. Um, look, we've got to wrap it up really soon. We want to have a little uh, talk to you just before we say goodbye. But we want to say a huge thank you to our amazing guests. Would you please get up for the wonderful Hero Badge and Azima Sane. We love you guys. Um, <laughs> you can leave now. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to go? You don't have to go. Oh, you yeah. can say we're just going to say no, a little right, I'll you. catch you. Don't leave, leave. I'll see oh, you in the green oh, room. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like, do you guys want to shit everyone else leave? Do we? One more time. Here, imagine the same thing, everybody. So smooth. Thanks very much. I should have said something to them about that. When we used to thank you, fuck off. Leave. Leave. And that's our 100th episode, everybody. We did. I mean, we just wanted to say, yes, a sincere thank you, right? And reflect on the fact that we've done 100 of these and we can't believe this show exists when we get to do it. Truly can't. Yeah. Thank you for listening. It's actually wild. I mean, the show fucking sold out. Yeah. That's crazy. At the very last minute. But yeah. It, no, it, could have been a little quicker. A little could quicker. A little, a little quicker. quicker next time. No. The next time. No, next we love time. You. We should welcome our wonderful producer to the stage. Give it up for the Griff, everybody. Give it up for the Griff. What do you think, mate? We've done it. We did it. (laughs) Yeah, we did it. That's all I got. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us. I I had a long birthday night last night, so yeah. Yeah, Mike got home at like 7 a.m. or something. Not to, you know. Yeah. You were at the goddamn peel. I haven't. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a bit of a while since I partied like that, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to be looking to hang out with Mike tonight. No, they're like, what's Mike doing after the show? <laughs> He's got the goods. Uh, we want to say a huge thank you to the Comedy Republic. If you've never been here before, this is an amazing venue that does incredible comedy. Thank you so much for being so good to us. Luke on tech, give it up for Luke. Thank you very much, Luke. Fire and Reese and Alex, we love you very much. Thanks for having us here. 
And we're going to be selling merch after the show. Yes, we are. That shirt as well. We have it. Not in this a, specific shirt. Not that specific shirt. That's extra. That's extra. Uh, yeah, they're, they're 35 bucks. We'll have them downstairs. We have the stickers as well that have the classic Clive Palmer quote, if yeah. you want the doll for life and free marijuana vote greens. Yes. Uh, they're three bucks. T-shirts are 35. Yeah. yeah. And we can. And if you just want to come say hello or grab a photo or whatever, that's totally fine. That's uh, no worries at all. Um, our call to action really is, is obviously keep showing up for Palestine. That's vital. But generally, anything you can do to spread the word about the show, we want to really build it, spread the audience, to get as many people listening as humanly possible, even people who aren't uh, members of the Greats. <laughs> <laughs> we do we, have some. We do have some. That's we totally do. True. We have some uh, Labour members who listen. Yeah, yeah, um, it's true. I met, I met one of them. Oh, guys, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thanks for being a danger dog. We love you very much. And here's to another 100 episodes. <laughs> Michael Griffin, everybody. Serious danger to Australia.